can I, can I just go ahead and preach? Is that okay? Because I'm excited about where God's word, I can't wait to see where God's word is taking us today. In fact, someone look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? Ask them the question, are you ready? Now look at your other neighbor and answer that question. I'm ready. And turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 96, verses 1 through 11. That is the narrative of Scripture that God is going to use today to speak to our hearts. Now, let me just set this up for you. Just high-five your neighbor and be seated. Can you do that? High-five your neighbor and be seated. I don't want anyone to say, man, we've been standing for way too long. Several months ago, we did a series called Lyrics and Lines, where we would take individual psalms and we would dissect those psalms, the, the worship songs of thousands of years ago, and how those worship songs from thousands of years ago would impact our modern worship, the lyrics and the lines of today's worship. We built that series in such a way that we could extract different psalms and find out how it's relevant and applicable to today, even though it was written thousands of years ago. And we also, we, we wrote that series in such a way that we could come back every so often and revisit an individual psalm. Today is that day. Now, let me, before we read our narrative, let me just set our conversation in motion. And I want you to hang with me upstairs in the control room because I may be all over the place today, but I'm just going to give you what God gave to me, how he gave it to me. Is that all right? Is that all right? I'm going to need some help here today. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say oh me. All right, you're here, yeah. But I love when God will birth a sermon through another sermon. Last week, we were talking about Mary who came into this house, Simon the leper's house, and she brought this extravagant gift of worship, this alabaster jar of perfume. She broke the jar. She poured it on the head of Jesus. She anointed him for his burial. The Bible says in the Gospel of John as well that she anointed his feet and washed his feet with with this perfume, this pure nard, if you will. And, and, And it was an extravagant worship gift. It was a worship moment between her and Jesus. But the disciples were like, they were flabbergasted. They could not believe this extravagant waste. Why this waste? And the Gospel of John tells us that this particular gift was worth about a year's wages. It was worth a year's wages, so most people couldn't afford this particular gift, this fragrance, if you will, this alabaster jar of perfume. Most of them bought the knockoff variety, the imitation brand. And so I had this statement in my message last week that's kind of given birth to today's message, and that statement was, How many times is our worship one of the knockoff variety where we have our hands raised to Jesus, but our hearts closed to obedience? where we have our hands raised to Jesus, but our hearts are closed towards generosity, where we're asking God to do something, but yet we've taken for granted everything that he's already done. And so Psalms 96 is a psalm that deals with just those qualities. Psalms 96 tells us what worship is supposed to look like, why we worship, why we do what we do, the sound of worship. Somebody say the sound. So what we see in this narrative is something that I believe is going to help many of us change, 
change our lives, at least our thought process when it comes to difficult situations. But verse 1 of Psalms 96 says this, sing to the Lord. Somebody say, sing to the Lord. A new song. Sing to the Lord all of the earth. Hold on a second. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all of the earth, not just some people, not just a certain people group, not just a certain nation, not just a a, a certain skin tone, not, not any of those things, but all people get rid of the old song that's in your mouth and begin to sing the new song. How many times have we missed the new thing that God is going to do because the old situation is wearing us out? And what the psalmist is writing is that you cannot focus upon just, just your problem. You've got to begin to to reflect upon everything that God has done up until the time of that problem. And once you do, you'll have this keen awareness of who he is. You'll have this fresh perspective of what he's done. You'll have this fresh perspective of his love and his grace. Do I have any new song singers in this place? Do I have anybody who will make a joyful noise to the Lord because you realize all that he's done? Because you realize that he's your help, he's your hope, he's your breakthrough, he's your deliverer? Do I have anybody in this place who will sing a new song, who will clap a little harder, who will sing a little louder who will shout a little bit more come on somebody sing to the Lord a new song I feel like preaching I need to slow down because I got too much for you verse 2 sing to the Lord praise his name proclaim his salvation day after day sing to the Lord praise his name proclaim his salvation day after day I, I, I can't I can't go by this without preaching Here the psalmist, most most theologians agree that it's probably David because the language that he uses here in this particular psalm, he uses in other psalms. So they, they, they think that it's David, but what David is doing is he's placing our minds upon this thought. When you go through a difficult situation in your life, the context of this psalm is explaining that the battle really is not yours, so to speak. It's not... It's, it's, it's not your own abilities and your own strength and your own talents and your own resources that gets you through. What you have to do is focus on the fact that God is with you, that God is for you. You see, what he's trying to do is, is get you to focus upon the, the, the fact that there's going to be difficulty in your life. But, but just like Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome this world. How many of you are excited that Jesus Christ came so that, he could, so that you could overcome this world through the power of the cross? Come on, somebody. How many of you are excited that God knows the end from the beginning? beginning and he prophesied thousands of years ago that he was your salvation some of y'all are hungry this morning like hungry for the word y'all are thinking about thanksgiving already Mm, that turkey dressing that that sweet potato souffle i better start reading before y'all start leaving (laughs) heading to the buffet Here's what it says. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all of the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. In other words, everybody that they were worshiping, all the other stuff that they were talking about, all of the other things that had occupied their attention was nothing in comparison to God. 
Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into its courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all of the earth. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved and he will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Time out for a second. Can I pause here and teach for a minute? Because the psalmist really is drawing our attention to the truth that our worship is cyclical. Probably more appropriately stated, it is circular. What he is showing us through this narrative is that everything in our lives should circle back to God. Everything in our lives should circle back, if you will, to God. He, he's saying every situation in your life should circle. Your worship, your service, your, your time, your treasure, your talent, it should all circle back to God. There are specific things that this psalm will say that you must do that will protect your mind, that will cause your mind to circle back to God when you find yourself in a difficult situation. Somebody look at your neighbor and announce to them the title of today's message, and that is Complete the Circle. Look at somebody else and say, Complete the Circle. So let me, let me build on this thought, if you will, because this narrative is one of instructional value. It's one that gives us great instruction when it comes to what our worship should be, why we, why we worship, what it should look like, what it should sound like. And I'm going to break this message into four parts. I'm going to spend most of my time in part one. So if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Look at verse one again. Verse one, verse one. How many of you know note takers are going to heaven? Here's the deal. It says this, sing to the Lord a new song. Somebody circle the word sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all of the earth. Sing to the Lord a new song. The very first thing that you have to do is sing to the Lord a new song. You need to write that at the top of your page. Sing to the Lord a new song. Keeping in mind that the name of the message is complete the circle. Write it at the top of the page. Just the word sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Thank you, Dee. Just hang out right there, though. I'm going to need you. Think about this. That, that is a verse that it's easy to read. It's a verse that may even be easy to be excited about. But sometimes singing a new song almost feels impossible. And the reason why is because the old situation has us singing an old song. The situation in our lives has our mouths singing something old. And so many times the condition of our lives, hmm, let me say it this way, the song that we're singing is predicated on the condition in our lives. And so many times it is so difficult to sing a new song when something old is wearing you out. Can I get an amen? When something old is wearing you out, it's so difficult to sing this new song. But yet here this psalmist, David, is telling us that, that so many times we look at or we allow the song to control our mouths or our lives or we allow the, 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 the situation, if you will, to control our lives. But 
And in so many ways, it controls the song. But what David is telling us in verse 1 is that the song really should have an impact on the situation. We look at this in reverse order. But he's telling us that the new song has the ability to impact the old situation. We're so good at singing the old song, though. We're so good at placing the old song, the old problem, the old situation in our lives or in our mouths, the, the old scenario, the, 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 the news, if you will, the difficult situation. Could it be that the new song in your mouth gives you the ability to overcome the old situation? And I understand that it's difficult to sometimes sing something new when you're going through something old, but really it's the... Is the psalm giving us a clue as to how to deal with those bad thoughts? How to deal with our thoughts? Because, listen, the, the same old song that's in your mouth is generally the result of the same old thought that's in your head. And that's the way the enemy works. Michael, the enemy wants to bombard you. He wants to distract you. He wants to distract you with situations and difficulty and worry and anxiety and get your mind spinning all out of control all over the place. Everything is just spinning, spinning, spinning. It's kind of like the news. There can be one news event, but all of these different news agencies spin it in different ways. It's like Fox News spins it this way and CNN spins it this way and MSNBC spins it this way and CBS spins it this way and Huffington Post spins it that way and pretty soon you're just spinning all out of control and you don't know what to do or what to believe. And, and, and pretty soon because of, of all of that, you're singing this old song and it just seems to be so much easier to sing the old song because it's pulled all of the air out of your lungs anyway. And so now you're, you, it's beginning to spin out of control in your mind and so it's affecting your sleep patterns. And once it affects your sleep patterns, then you go to work and it affects your work because now you're no longer productive because you hadn't had enough sleep. And then while you're at work, you're thinking, oh Lord, next week is Thanksgiving. Good God Almighty, I'm going to have all those crazy people at my house. And, and, and then you're thinking, oh, Lord, after that, it's, it's Christmas. And does anybody know? I don't know how in the world I'm going to pay for Christmas because I'm broke as a joke. And nobody seems to care about me. Nobody thinks about me. Does anybody know I'm raising these kids on my own? Is anybody going to help me because I'm, I'm worn out? Nobody seems to value what I'm doing. Nobody seems to recognize what I'm doing. Anybody ever been there? And it's like, everything's like spinning out of control and I need to grab this table because I'm like dizzy. <laughs> and it's like, it's like we operate according to this fear. Even the news agencies are that way. It's like, dun, 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 breaking news. And you're at home and you're like, shut up, shut up. There's breaking news. Shut up. We got to hear what's happening. Breaking. We're bringing you this breaking news. Trump's hair got wet today. Listen, I don't know what fake news is. I don't have a clue what fake news is. But I do have to wonder if sometimes the fake news up here huh, tells us something that causes something wrong to come out here. I'm wondering if the fake news up here is feeding the fear in our lives. And can I tell you something? Fear will cause a false song to come out of your mouth. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Fear, if you focused on fear, your song will always come back to fear. If you're focused on what you don't have, your song's going to be a sad old country song. Hello? Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
You know what? For some of you, I'm going to just be honest with you. For some of you, you've had an old song in your mouth all week, and that's why when you come in here, it takes you a while to get the old song out of your mouth so that your heart is right so that a new song will begin to come out of your mouth. You've been hanging out with that old song all week. Oliver Wendell Holmes, one of the great thinkers of of the 1800s, he, he broke down thinking in, in the most elementary way. He, he used a house to illustrate it. He said there are three types of thinkers. First is the first floor, the first story thinker. That is the person who gathers the facts, if you will. He's a fact gatherer. Then there's the second story type of thinker, and that's the person who takes the facts from the first story, climbs the steps, and goes to the second story and begins to make generalizations of the facts. Like, it's always going to be this way. She's always she's going to just be like that. Her, her daddy was like that. Her daddy's daddy was like that. Her daddy's daddy's daddy was like that. Her daddy's 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 daddies were like all the way back to like Jesus. You know how you do that. It's just, you know, you have a bad day and you just make generalizations. Everything happens to be bad. Hold on a second. But then there's the third story, the third floor thinker. And that is the person who goes to the first floor. He's gathered the facts. He goes by the second floor with all of the generalizations. And he gets to the third floor and he realizes that there's someone greater than I. Because when he gets to the third floor, Thomas or Wendell says this. He says that when you get to the third floor, there's a skylight there, which reminds you that there's someone greater than you that can figure out everything that you're going through. And that person is God. And when you get to the third floor, you'll realize that I need to sing to him. And when you begin to sing a new song with all of the facts that you've gathered, all of a sudden you'll be encouraged and he'll begin to do things that you cannot do for yourself. And that's why it's so important to sing a new song. You see, the last thing that you want to do when you're going through an old situation is to sing a new song. The last thing you want to do when you're discouraged and tired is to sing a new song. But it's the first thing that this psalm says you should do. One theologian said this. He said, why do we sing? Why do we sing? And then he answered it this way. He said, because sometimes words are expressionless and they only touch on one side of of your cognitive ability. They never reach the, the deeper intuitive side or the emotional aspect. And he says, the more that you sing, the more your heart opens up to what God has for you. I gave you this illustration last week. I'm going to use D to do it again, but hang on a second. You know, When you add music to something and it becomes a song, if you will, it it just kind of goes to another level. It it sets the ambiance. Somebody say ambiance. It establishes the atmosphere. Like I could say something to you like, man, Christmas is, is good, but the bills that come after, they stink. Christmas is good, but the bills that come after, they stink. I can't stand the charge cards that come after Christmas. I can take that negative situation, throw some music to it. You know, Christmas costs so much money. Oh, and after it's over, I still have some credit card bills. But all I know my Lord can provide. <laughs> oh, I know my wife's out to chain, to chain, to chain, but 
but it's gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just kind of changes the atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? It, like, hold, oh, stop right there. Stop right there. Just stop. Don't play. Hold on. I ain't got nothing to wear. In my closet, you walk in your closet. I don't have anything to wear. I can't stand this. I don't have anything to wear. How many of you ladies have made that statement? Come on. It requires a little transparency. It's okay. But you can add some music to that. Mm, I ain't got much to wear. Yeah. I don't have anything in my closet, Lord. But I do have you. It, it changes it changes the atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? When Saul, King Saul, was kind of going crazy in his mind and his thoughts were going everywhere, you know what he did? He called for David to bring a harp in. Why? Because he wanted to enter in. He wanted the, the ambiance. He wanted the atmosphere to change. There's something that happens when you begin. Thank you, Dee. There's something that happens when you begin to sing a new song. And you know what? Here's my thought. I, I want you to grab this. I don't, I don't think it's so much that what's happening to us is what causes us to have the old song in our mouths as much as it is we're thinking, what if what's inside of me is not strong enough to handle what's happening to me? Hello? You see, as a pastor, my main concern is not just to teach you what God can do for you. And that's great because he can do so much for you. But that makes your relationship just superficial, surface level. And if something happens that contradicts your thought process, if you will, at the surface level, you'll begin to sing an old song. You see, what I'm trying to say is my job as a pastor is not only to get you to sing a new song because of what God can do for you, but because of what God can do through you. When you begin to sing the new song, knowing that Christ is in you, you can begin to lean upon not your own abilities, but to lean upon him. You can trust in him. Oh my Lord, have mercy. Because you can look back over your life and know that his joys and mercies are new every single day. And once you realize that they're new every single day, there'll be a new song in your mouth because there's thanksgiving in your heart because he is your Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And you'll begin to sing unto him a new song. Because it's, it's not about the absence of problems. It's about his presence in the problem. Hello? Can somebody say hello? Then there's the second thing. The second reason why we sing, and that is this. It's really who we sing to. Watch this. Look at verses 2, verses two through 4. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. This is good. This is good. It says, sing to who? Sing to who? Sing to the Lord. Doesn't say to Drake. Doesn't say Kanye. Doesn't say any of those people. Doesn't say Jason Aldean. It says, sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation. Day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy to be praised. He is feared above all gods. You see, we need to, we need to sing the solution. Write that down. So you've got, you've got sing and start a circle and go over and, and write down the solution. Just write the solution. Sing the solution. 
Some of you are incredible with singing the old song. It's time for some of you to take the old song out of your mouth and replace it with the solution. You've got to begin to replace it with the solution. Some of you need to stop listening to the breaking news dun, 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 and begin to listen to, to what his word says about your difficulty. You've got to begin to sing to the solution. I, I don't know who this is for, but I know I'm preaching to someone. You've got to realize that Yahweh is your solution. You see, you came to the right place today because the spirit of the Lord is in this place. And it's time for some of you to spit out the old song and put a new song in your mouth because he is your Jehovah Jireh. He's your provider. He's the one that will make a way when nobody else can seem to make a way. Do I have any praisers up in this place? Do I have anybody who will work God for 10 seconds because he's your solution. He's your help. He's your breakthrough. He's your deliverer. He is your tomorrow. He is your forgiveness. Good God Almighty. When I don't know what to do, he's my solution. When I don't know how to make it, he's my solution. When I have discouragement, he's my solution. When I'm in between a rock and a hard place, I climb up on the rock. Why? Because he is my solution. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Mm, I think y'all are now getting this. We've got to sing the solution. Sing the solution. Hold on a second. You've got to understand that he, that God is the audience of your worship. When you come in here and you're lifting up your hands, it's not for the person to your left or to your right. So why are you worried about whether or not you're lifting up your hands? I don't want to be embarrassed. It's not for them. Your audience is God. And when you realize that your audience is God, everything else will begin to pale in comparison to who God is in your life. In fact, let, let, me, let me say it this way. When you begin to sing the solution in your life, rather than the problem, your priorities will change. Grab that. When you begin to sing the solution, when you begin to sing about what God can do, who God is, your priorities will change. Last week, I told you that we all want the promise in our lives. It's just the process that goes with the promise that we don't want. Some of you are, are thinking, well, hold on a second. I thought all of God's promises are yes and amen, so all I have to do is just say yes and amen, and I get his promise. No, no, no. There's a process to the promise. Just like I showed you last week, that if you want the peace that surpasses all understanding, the process is, the Bible says, to keep your mind stayed upon him, and then you will have the peace that surpasses all understanding. In other words, you cannot keep your mind stayed upon the commentary of Facebook because peace will escape you. What I am trying to say to you is that your focus, your priority cannot be on the fact that you want the problem to be gone. That's not what your priority needs to be. Your focus needs to be on the solution. And when your, solution, when your focus is on the solution, you'll begin to reprioritize your life and you'll realize it's not the absence of, of the problem. What it is, is the presence of his peace in the problem that I can count on because that will begin to give me a brand new perspective. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You're not hearing this. What I'm trying to say is, how can you serve the same old people if you're singing the same old song? Because you cannot serve the same old people in a new way if you're singing the same old song. But when you begin to sing the solution, you'll be able to serve even when you don't feel like serving. When you begin to sing the solution, you'll love people even when you don't feel loved. When you begin to sing the solution, Michael, you'll give even though you wish somebody would give to you. Why? Because you've changed your priority. 
Some of you are saying right now, well, Pastor Mark, I, that's easy for you to say. That's all you do all week long is dine upon God's word and eat bonbons. I don't even know what a bonbon is, but whatever. That's easy for you to say. I mean, you don't have real people problems. No, I, I don't have a mother whose life has been robbed by Parkinson's disease, and most of the time she cannot even recognize reality. I don't have a mother-in-law who's dying of cancer. I don't have three boys, one of which is a teenager. Did I say one of which is a teenager? I didn't have a leak at my house two weeks ago that caused $20,000 worth of damage that the insurance company will not pay for, and it's the second time that's happened in the last three years. I am a pastor who pastors 1,300 people. Need I go there? What I'm trying to say to you is if I don't sing a new song, I'll go slam crazy. But the new song, mm, Lord have mercy, y'all ain't hearing me. It's the new song in my mouth that gives me the ability to rise above the situation because the new song gives me his perspective. And when I have his perspective, I'll be able to hang on to his promise. Why? Because I can get rid of the old song, put a new song in my mouth. Good God Almighty, is somebody going to help me up in here? And don't any of y'all go home and say, oh, the preacher said we all crazy today. <laughs> because I did not say that. <laughs> kind of, but not really. Here's, you have to trust in Jesus. How many of you know, listen, you have to trust in Jesus. You got to sing the new song. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I prove him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Mm. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, of our grace to trust him more. Mm. Number three, I think that's where we are. <laughs> and that is right down at the bottom. So complete the line to the bottom and write, give, give. Some of you right now are going to turn me off because I said the word give. It's a four-letter word you don't like. But can I tell you something? It is a four-letter word that Jesus talked about more than any other subject. And so I need you to hang here with me for a minute because you need to see this. Look at verses 7 and 8. 7 and 8, it says this. It says, ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come unto his courts. Hold on a second. The word ascribe actually means give. Hold on a second. So can we read that again, but in a different way? Watch this. Give to the Lord all you families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Hold on a second. Three times 
in two verses, David writes, give. Then it culminates in verse 8 with bring an offering to the Lord. There's several things happening here, but one thing that you need to understand is when you go into the presence of God, it's not always about what you can get. You should always be thinking about what you can give. Give an offering, bring an offering to the Lord. We need to be giving of our time, giving of our service, giving of our talents, giving of our treasure. Then not only does it say bring an offering in verse 8, but the word offering in the Hebrew, it actually means a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Somebody say thanksgiving. Somebody say happy thanksgiving. Hold on a second. So he's saying bring an offering of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. In other words, something that will cost you something. Oh, hold on a second. But verse 7 says to give glory to him. How do you give glory to someone who is glory? Think about that. How do you give glory to someone who is glory? Can I tell you how? You bring back what he's given you so that you can bring it back to him and bring him glory. What you do when you bring God glory is you're saying everything that you have done, I'm now bringing back to you because you gave it to me anyway. That's why tithing is so important. Hold on a second. That's why tithing is so important because it's bringing the first 10% of everything you make back to God. Hold on a second. It's saying, okay, in a brand new way, you're singing a new song because you've gotten another paycheck and you realize all that God has done, all that God has been doing, all the times that he's provided for you, and then you again bring back to God. Why are you bringing it back to God? Because he gave it all to you in the first place. It's all his. Let me say this. Generally speaking, your investment, you place your investment in the one that you trust. What does your offering say about how you trust God? Grab it. What does your offering say about how you trust God? Mm. What does the sound of your offering sound like? Because can I be honest with you? If we all became tithers like we're supposed to be, there would be no needs in the house of God. There would be very few needs in our community because churches would gather together because people are doing what God wanted them to do. They're completing the circle. Somebody say, complete the circle. And then we can meet needs in our community. Hmm. What does the sound of your giving sound like? Maybe today you're, you're not giving 10%. You're not bringing back 10% to God. Maybe you, you need to start. Maybe you, you need to start at 1% and then work your way up to 2% and then 3% and then finally 10%. Or maybe you've been doing 10% for so long that you need to give an offering over and above your 10% where you need to begin to trust in God again and sing a new song to God again. Hello. It's all quiet up in God's house. People are holding their wallet. Number four, write this down. Number four, number four, number four. I'm going to move away from that. It's getting too quiet. Number four, you need to write this down. It's proclaim. So take the circle on around and write proclaim, proclaim, proclaim. Verse 10, 
Say among the nations. Proclaim among the nations. The Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. The Lord reigns. Somebody say the Lord reigns. You've got to proclaim that the Lord reigns in your life. You need to understand that David wrote this part of the psalm when they were bringing the the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. When they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, all of the people who were standing around watching this realized that everything that God had promised hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before, he fulfilled. He overcame the enemies. He overcame the problems. He overcame the tiredness. He overcame their lack. He overcame their discouragement. He overcame their depression. He overcame. Why? Because the Lord reigns. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the the beginning, the end. He's the first. He's the last. He's the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. He is Jehovah Jireh. So I'm going to proclaim his goodness. I'm going to sing a new song. I'm going to sing the solution. I'm going to give like he wants me to give because when I do, I'm proclaiming that he is the Lord of my life. And when I begin to complete the circle, God will do things that I cannot do for myself. Is somebody going to get on your feet and begin to give God a new song? kind of praise. Come on. Somebody say complete the circle. Now listen. Don't get, you know, creative with your circle. Make a triangle. Don't, Don't go from singing the new song over to seeing the solution. All right, I'm going to proclaim, skip the give part, and you got to try. That's not going to work. David is telling us what we have to do to complete the circle, to take our minds back. We just keep circling back to who, who God is. Oh, we got a difficulty. Oh, boy. I'm going to keep circling back to who God is because he is my solution. I'm going to do what his word says. Not only am I going to sing the solution, but I'm going to be generous because that's what he's called me to do. And then I'm going to proclaim his goodness because he has done any and everything that I, I need in my life. He's, he's met my needs. He's an ever-present help in a time of need. Somebody say complete the circle. 